Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're about to get jumped. Welcome to episode 228 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Mob Psycho 100 Part 3, Episodes 7 and 8, plus the 7th episode of Star Wars Visions Season 2, where in one, a girl seeks happiness in the form of a flute, and in the other, a girl seeks happiness in the form of telepaths and aliens. Look, there used to be aliens on Earth, and I know when you look at me right now, you see that my skin has gotten much, much tanner, and my hair has gotten much, much more long and sticky-uppy, and I'm here to tell you that all of those pyramids, aliens. All of those hot dog stands, aliens. Rivers, streams, any form of water, aliens. Also, dogs, totally aliens. Cats, totally aliens. Look over there. It's a little girl. She's pushing a shopping cart. Probably a shopping cart to space. Fucking aliens. Anyways, let's jump in. (laughs) When you said you had gotten Tanner, were you referring to Will Smith? (laughs) No, I was referring to that fucking guy on Ancient Aliens. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Because by the end there, I was like, are we doing Men in Black? No, I was doing the ancient aliens guy. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I was like, Tan, that's not exactly Tan. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, so do you have some pre-show notes? Because uh, the only ones I have are, please, other people, read Wild Strawberry, so I won't be the only one who's read it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I I have uh, three different... Pre-show notes. One of them I can't talk to very much. It's Attack on Titan, the final season, the chat, uh, the final chapters, special number two. The official trailer is out. I can't speak to it because, as I've said several times, what uh, I've said several times on the show, something that is still true to this day, which is I've watched season one of Attack on Titan and I've not made it farther than that. I'm also reading Attack on Titan, but uh, I'm still in the manga volumes that encompass stuff from season one so i do not know what happened and i therefore did not watch this trailer but uh it does exist (laughs) so there's that um now uh that's my first news do you have any any thoughts comments whatever on that i don't know i I've so checked out from Attack on Titan. I finished the manga, and the the show has not been blowing me away for a really long time now. I've just been sort of met on it um, since, like, the first and second season, I think. Um, and it's mostly because I feel like... I feel like the time in between each one of the different seasons has been just a little bit too long for me, and it's led me to just kind of, like, disconnect. Um, Especially since I know what happens, and there's, like, a finite ending on the manga, that I'm just kind of like, I I don't know if I need to see it animated, but that's that's not how I always am about stuff. Like, like right now, I'm in the middle of reading uh, a bunch of different manga, and most of them, I'm just like, I cannot wait to see this animated. Um, and then what happened was, uh, Chainsaw Man, and I wasn't blown away by the anime, but I love the manga so much. Mm-hmm. And so here, here I sit. So now you are anti-anime is what I'm hearing. No, no. Well, that's what I heard. Well, you're <laughs> a big dumb dummy. So You are, you dummy. <laughs> so, yeah. okay. Uh, second piece of news isn't news, it's just something anime-related that I did this week, which was I watched the movie Weathering With You. This is a movie that I felt like I had heard about uh, in sort of positive ways, but would not have been able to tell you where or what exactly those positive ways are. <laughs> but it is, it is one of those... Um, one of those anime movies that is, you know, just a movie. Like, as far as I know, it's not based on a, on, uh, <clears throat> it's not based on a show or anything like that. Um, 
It is, let's see if it's based on a, I don't think it's based on a book either. It doesn't look like, it looks like maybe it's just an original, do, 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 home box office awards. Yeah, it looks like it was adapted into a novel written concurrently with the production of the film. So yeah, this was an original film concept, essentially. Um, it's cool. It's a, it's about a sort of mythic thing that I had never heard of called a weather, uh, uh called a sunshine girl. And, uh, basically it is a, uh, girl that can kind of cause the sun to appear. So there is a kid who doesn't like living in the country and he wants to move to Tokyo, which, uh, very similar to the recent episodes of uh, Jujutsu Kaisen that we watched, uh, although the similarity is pretty much in there. Um, the kid comes to Tokyo and sort of struggles to find his place in society because he is underage and he doesn't have the proper identification, so he's trying to find sort of like under-the-table work. And eventually he gets connected with a sort of shoddy, um, like... Uh, like a weekly world news type of tabloid paper where they're not writing, you know, it's not like celebrity news. It's like made up nonsense. And he starts to, to it's also been raining a ton and like a crazy amount, like not a normal, you, you know, usual world amount. Like it's raining all the time. And so uh, he, he goes investigating on the sunshine girl and he meets a girl who is literally able to pray the rain away and cause the sun to appear. And he sort of starts to fall for her, but there's like supernatural stuff um, related to her being a sunshine girl that kind of causes challenges. And so it becomes this um, sort of supernatural romantic drama i guess but it's very lighthearted, and it was really 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 good um it's one of those things that if you just like high quality animation i think you would really enjoy it because the animation is absolutely gorgeous um and i would say uh i think we've said this on our show a few times also we had a a crossover episode long ago planned that ended up falling through sort of permanently uh, where we were going to watch the movie Your Name. And I love that movie. Ever since we watched it for the podcast, I fell completely head over heels for it. I've watched it several times since. I just think it's great. Um, and it is a sort of lighthearted, supernaturally tinged coming-of-age romance that has some somewhat surprising tension uh, in the second half of the story. Um, like you don't expect it when you're watching the movie at the beginning, but then all of a sudden things get kind of serious and like, Oh no, what's going to happen. And this movie was very, very, very similar in sort of feel to that. So I, I think your name worked way better for me. Um, but I was really invested in this. I thought it was really gorgeous. And even though it didn't a hundred percent stick the landing for my taste, I definitely really enjoyed it and thought that it was worth bringing up and uh, worth recommending. So there's that. Um, now, Spencer, have you heard about my last little bit of news? I don't know what you're talking about. There's a show called Lazarus. This is a forthcoming anime series. This is a Japanese anime television series set to premiere in the United States on Adult Swim's Toonami programming block. And it is directed by Shinichiro Watanabe. Do you know who that fuck? is? I didn't know about that. Yep. That's right. Shinichiro, Shinichiro Watanabe, known for a little show called Space Dandy, uh, Samurai Shampoo, and uh, uh, favorite anime of the podcast, Cowboy Bebop. This is his new series. So... Adult Swim describes the story. This is from the Wikipedia article for Lazarus. 
Adult Swim describes the story as the year is 2052, an era of unprecedented peace and prosperity prevails across the globe. The reason mankind has been freed from sickness and pain. Nobel Prize winning neuroscientist Dr. Skinner has developed a miracle cure-all drug with no apparent drawbacks called Hapuna. Three years later, the world has moved on, but Dr. Skinner has returned, this time as a harbinger of doom. Skinner announces that Hapuna has a short half-life. Everyone who has taken it will die approximately three years after... Uh, approximately three years later. It's not clear if he means after taking it or from when he makes this announcement three years after everybody took it. Death is coming for this sinful world and coming soon. As a response to this threat, a special task force of five agents is gathered from across the world to save humanity from his plan. This group is called Lazarus, and they need to find Skinner and develop a vaccine before time runs out. So it is being produced by Studio Mappa which is a, a very good studio. The original run, according to the Wikipedia article as of recording, is scheduled for TBA. So it's coming soon, but we don't know when, and it looks like it's planned to have 13 episodes. Uh, the series was announced on July 20th of this year, 2023. Um and yeah we just uh we just don't know exactly when it's coming production staff stated that the project is planned to be completed by 2024 but did not promise so we've got a little ways to go but i mean news that uh shinichiro watanabe is making a new series is kind of major around here so i uh definitely had to get that in it fucks with my head that i didn't know any of this yeah and there there is a trailer and it looks real cool um no i have to watch so, the trailer <laughs> yeah student uh or sorry studio mappa again very reliable um production studio and uh and so this is this is great news <laughs> um i don't know you know it, it's not like a, a creator that's made good things in the past can't then make bad things but I haven't seen Space Dandy. I haven't seen Samurai Champloo, uh, but I've seen Cowboy Bebop. I know that Samurai Champloo is generally highly regarded. And uh, I believe that Space Dandy is so also is highly Tuesday. regarded. Carol on Tuesday is really good, too. Oh, I forgot about that. I can't believe that wasn't mentioned also on his uh, his page. Yeah, um, well, but yeah. Uh, page, yeah, so it's, uh, it's big news. Um Big, big, big news. So, get... Great way way to stay in shape. Anyways, um, let's talk about this this new episode of Star Wars Visions that we had to watch. Yeah. Uh, Because this one was... uh, Bad, I think is the word. I I thought it was really bad. (laughs) Uh, You know, it made me think for a little while about... One of the inherent challenges of talking about things that you like in a field where you uh, would not be upset to end up working is that it's hard to criticize things, especially because you know that, like, you know, people work really hard on stuff. Nothing is perfect. You don't want people to, like, shit all over your projects because of its imperfections, um, etc. But, yeah, this was not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, it it wasn't even bad because of like the 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 story that they were telling because the story no. was like you know it's fine it's a Star Wars story that kind of you know seems seems like it goes the same route as most of the other Star Wars stories you know they, yeah it has like kind of a predictable quality to it but the biggest thing about it though is the animation is is bad um, I yeah. I did not like it at all. It had, like, a weird Uncanny Valley characteristic to it that was just, like... uh, I also thought the shading was really aggressive to it. Um, The only thing that I I actually sort of liked was the the fight between the Sith and the Jedi. Like, the old lady and the weird, angry scar on his face guy with, like, a pirate mustache. Um, Yeah. I, I was left, though, going, man, that looked very very sloppy and not good in comparison especially in comparison to a lot of other episodes of star wars visions that we've seen i think that that one was probably my least favorite i've seen so far 
And, yeah, I, you know. I don't have strong memories of season one because we covered it so long ago, but I would agree that this was the weakest probably of season two for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I just didn't like it. I don't agree that the animation was bad, um, but it definitely didn't feel... Most of these Star Wars Visions uh, episodes feel like... You know, kind of similar to what I was talking about with weathering with you, where it's like, this is, this is the thing that we're doing, you know, like this is the, this is what we're throwing everything at, like all of our budget, all of our efforts is being thrown at this specific thing, because we want to make the biggest statement we can about our studio in this episode. And it's like, you see these incredible productions of genuinely impressive quality and then you look at this and you're like oh this is a studio that can make an anime for you that's going to look perfectly good and is going to not cost that much and it just like it just doesn't feel it's not bad it's definitely not like when we watched you remember when we watched that like that greek myth anime that just felt like it was you know yeah, uh, yeah, I think that was it. It was, it was something like that, and that it was just Zeus like, one? uh, well, there was the one where Blood they were fighting in the Blood tournament, of Blood of Zeus. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. But I think Record of Ragnarok very similar, uh, where it was just so like, awful. oh, there's not like, there's like, you know, there's really fluid movement that you get when you watch something like Your Name or Weathering with You or Cowboy Bebop the movie. Because they have tons of budget that they're throwing at a cinematic animated experience. There's really fluid movement you get in a shorter series with a high budget like Cowboy Bebop. Or the special episodes of Naruto. um, Where, you know, the budget hits because they want it to be real smooth and move great. And then there's like, you know, your average animation quality. Which can be a little jittery or a little less smooth. I would say the average episode of Naruto Ship It In looks perfectly good, but is noticeably worse than the high-quality episodes of Naruto Ship It In. Then, somehow, there is a level down where there is, like, this sort of jittery quality to it that feels like corners were cut. And this almost feels like it's living there, where it was, like, they made good animation from a sort of, like, character design standpoint but it felt like they were cutting corners on animation quality uh, mm. in a way that almost made it feel dated whereas like yeah. the the rest of them feel like modern tours a uh, tour de force show showcases of like what this studio can do and this one feels like uh like a studio was like oh we gotta make something <laughs> Yeah. And it was just, yeah, it was, an, it definitely I don't know. felt like, it definitely felt to me like the last part that you said, which was that mm-hmm. they had been told to make something and they were like, fuck, we got to make something. But there were a lot of moments that I was watching this where I was just like, there's a lot of pops of color. There is definitely like a, a strong influence with them trying to incorporate um, some like, uh, some, you know, earth uh, uh, you know, Earth ethnicities that are not seen as much inside of the Star Wars universe. And I get that, yeah. you know? And I, I appreciate that. But the problem with it is that I feel like the end product was, looks slapdash. Even if they put a lot of effort into it, the way mm-hmm. that it comes across, it looks, it just doesn't look as clean and crisp as other ones. And they did a lot of fucking jump cuts. Um, I, I don't know if this bothered you as much as it bothered me, but I felt like I was, I was watching an episode of something where they had to make decisions because they wrote it too long to be a Star Wars Vision episode, and they had to cut shit out. And because of that, it felt like it was just all running together really fast. Also, they didn't spend enough time on the teeth, or they spent too much time on the teeth. Because that is where the uncanny valley fucks with me the most. Is when I teeth? look into like when somebody smiles as they uh-huh. talk, or like you can see their teeth while they talk, and it looks like they either spent too much time or not enough time on the teeth. It just okay. It, it 
it fucks with me in a way that nothing else fucks with me when I'm watching animation that I can't stand. And this, this episode really had it for me. And I was just like, oh, this bothers me so much. Because, like, when they are stills of the people, it doesn't bother me as much. You know? When their mouths okay. are closed, it doesn't bother me as much. But as soon as yeah. they start moving again, I'm just like, there's something wrong with this. And, like, in, in the way that I I perceive it to be good, good 3D animation. Because, like, this is one of those things where it's just like, it wasn't, it wasn't bad CGI. It was just, it, it, it looks like they didn't 100% understand exactly what they were going for with the CGI. I don't know. Maybe that's yeah, it also, to find a point on what they could and could not do. But that's how I felt. Yeah, and it feels bad because it's like, you know, not that I expect any people from the studio are going to be, you know, listening to this. Uh, but I, I just, I want to give a little credit from the standpoint of like, I'm sure they cared and I'm sure they tried. And oh, no. it definitely, uh, it definitely felt like, you know, they probably made probably 25 minutes of an episode and then they had to trim all around it. And I think that one of the things about that, when you get into like CG animation, where it, it has, it has less of a like finalness to it. Um, mm-hmm. where like a, like a 2d animation, um, when you, when you start working on like a 2d animation and you draw something by hand or you spend a lot of time drawing something by like by hand on a computer or something like that, the, the model is less fluid, um, and more like you have to erase and draw again, like piece by piece. Um, whereas when you have 3d animation, you have the kind of like, it's almost like stop motion animation where you can have the ability to like bend and move the models into new ways. So you can like redo things over and over again. And because of that, it, it felt, it felt a little bit like they, they probably made way more than they actually needed to make. And because of that, they, they ended up having to like cut the story down a little bit. Um, and then I, I think that, you know, maybe it didn't it didn't work for me the best with like the the model styling um it felt again too too uncanny uncanny valley for me yeah it it felt very uh it felt very much like when you watch early pixar and you're like wow we've come a long way yeah and it's like it doesn't look bad it just looks yeah a 20 years Toy story old will really really fuck with you when you see the humans the way that they're done it's upsetting uh-huh. <laughs> yeah and it's just it's it's frustrating and like i guess a little tragic that like this you know this studio gets to shoot their shot on a sort of world stage and you know it just didn't come out and and it sucks because you're sitting there next to all these other episodes where it's like, even, even a couple of them that we didn't like as much, they still were, they still felt well-made. This was the first one where I was like, this is not up to snuff for this series. Yeah. Um, and that sucks, you know? So that, uh, that was frustrating and that, that feels bad. Uh, but yeah, I just didn't care for this one. And I think because, because the animation quality was not there for me and because, um, I was just sort of like bored with the whole thing. One thing that you have pointed out several times, um, that we, we have both acknowledged but that has bothered you before and hasn't really bothered me yet is these stories are all awfully similar. Um, They are, there is a force sensitive character doing a thing that doesn't have to do with the Jedi and you, a Jedi get involved usually by way of the Sith and either, and then the character seems to be off on a journey that will then lead them to probably becoming a Jedi or a Sith more. Uh, Like after this story, like this is sort of the origin of them starting on their quest to utilize the latent force abilities that they have. Um, 
and often that they discover that they have during the course of this uh, show. This one is that. It's the same story. Basically, all of these episodes, with the exception of the Chicken Run Studios episode, are pretty much, they're pretty much all that. Uh, and there's definitely variations on that. Like, obviously, the first one is she was a Sith's apprentice and she is in a self-imposed exile because she doesn't want to do it anymore. But, it is, but you know, she is still Force-sensitive, not training as a Jedi, not training as a Sith, and having to come face-to-face with that. So, you know, this is a real... A real theme and something that I have enjoyed about the show is that it is thematically, there's a thematic through line for all of this that allows you to feel like this is sort of a unified product, even when, you know, it is completely unrelated stories being made by unrelated studios. And so that's cool. Um, but yeah, I think here, because the competition is so fierce, it just sort of fell apart, unfortunately. So that sucks. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this was the first one that I was genuinely like, I didn't like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Other ones were fine, but this one was not. Um, and I, I <laughs> feel bad about it, but it's true. <laughs> The weird guilt that you have about this is like overwhelming right now. <laughs> well, it you know it's it's like on. I think it's totally valid to criticize misfires. Obviously, I went on a rant about Zack Snyder the other day on this show, and Zack Snyder is a well liked and fairly well respected director, and I don't like or respect him. <laughs> And that is my artistic opinion. And, you know, if he offered me a job, I'd probably take it. But I don't think he's a good director. Um, And I just, I don't know. I feel like the difference is that Zack Snyder... uh, And, you know, people can criticize art for whatever reason or for no reason. Because it's art and it's there for your interpretation. But, like, yeah, the, the, the feeling that Star Wars Visions gives me is... Uh, not in season one. Season one was about big anime studios making a Star War. This season has felt like a couple of big studios, but for the most part, new up and coming studios getting a chance to make their mark on the world. And this one fumbled the ball. And I feel bad about it because I bet you that they really cared and I bet you they really tried their best. And this is not bad. It's not poorly made, but it pales in comparison to the episodes that came before it in a way that feels that's giving me like secondhand embarrassment and so like unlike my take on Zack Snyder or other things that I don't like you know where I'm like this they tried I disagree with what they were doing and I think it was a a mistake this did not work for me from a story standpoint it did not work for me from an animation standpoint it didn't work at all and I thought that that sucked because unlike some of those other things, it felt like somebody's sincere best try and, uh, and they weren't like misbegotten. They weren't set on the wrong path. They just didn't do it. And it it just makes me feel like sad and sort of uncomfortable about it. Yeah. What a bummer. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I think we should, uh, I think we should talk about something good. Yeah, do you want to talk about how Mob Psycho 100 is also bad this week? Uh, they're going to go to space and meet aliens this week? What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, I could. I was so bored, I could not have been less interested in these two episodes. <laughs> I was like, oh no, Star Wars Visions is bad, and so is Mob Psycho 100. It wasn't that bad. It was I didn't like fine. It. This yet uh, yet again probably this is a little bit more of a statement on the quality of what's come before than on the quality of what we're reviewing. But yeah, this did not hold a candle to the rest of my Psycho 100, and I was like, okay, this is not it's not doing it for me. <laughs> yeah. So so Blake has some thoughts about this. Uh, let's let's talk about these episodes. What's the 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 both named after the same thing, right? Give us the episode name. Um, this is uh, episode seven, 
and eight are sort of a two-part story. So episode seven is called Transmission One, Winter Break. And then episode eight is Transmission Two, Encountering the Unknown. Yeah. So um, basically what happens inside of these episodes is that they, <laughs> Mob is brought along with while a bunch of other people go to space. <laughs> yeah. That's basically it, right? I mean, you're not wrong. That that would be the do I have to summarize this in 10 seconds summary of what happens here. Um totally. Yeah, yeah it's start it, so the real story here I don't know. I thought a lot about this because I think Mob Psycho 100 is so good. And I'm dismayed that I did not think this was good. And I've thought a lot about like what didn't work here that does work in Mob Psycho 100. And I think part of it is that they were just doing something that I don't, I didn't think was like enjoyable. They're, they're sort of, here's my theory. <laughs> Dimple just died and he died in the culmination of a pretty intense storyline that also ended last episode and now i think we are in a slight you know exhalation downtime nothing that important episode before probably the story picks back up which is a bit of an odd place since we're in the second half of the season um but it it definitely feels like it culminated in something and this is now the sort of not that important thing that happens next to give people a second to breathe. And so I think what Mob Psycho does so well and what makes it such a good show is that it ties some sort of relatable emotional humanity to the things that are happening in its story. So you'll get... um You'll get Mob being an insanely powerful psychic, but he's also racked with nerves and indecision over being a teenage middle school aged boy. And the, you know, complicated feelings and stresses and stuff that all of that brings kind of swirl alongside the, you know, sci-fi action psychic stuff that's happening and create this kind of like, you know, potent mixture that tends to be, to, tends to cut through to a really sort of satisfying and cathartic emotional beat. And this story is trying to do the same thing. And it's doing it with one of the side characters. So there's a girl named Tomei, who we've seen several times. She is the president of the Telepathy Club. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Spencer. The Telepathy Club is the club that Mob briefly was sort of fake out thought to be considered. He, he, he was like, maybe, maybe going to join the Telepathy Club, but he really wanted to join the Body Improvement Club all along. And then the Body Improvement Club sort of absorbed the Telepathy Club's room, but then let them hang out there. And it was sort of a symbiotic relationship, I guess. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, basically, that's yeah. what happened. So she's there, and we've seen her several times because Mob hangs out in this area, and she's there. Um, she was really excited about um, telepathy, because that's the whole deal of the club, but specifically on being able to utilize telepathy to communicate with aliens. The other two club members are just hanging out and playing video games with each other. And she's very upset because she's like, I I care about this. This matters to me. You guys don't seem to care. And I'm just sort of totally disheartened that like it turns out that we couldn't get anyone interested in this. And even the two other people I thought were interested in this were not. And so she like disbands the club and the... Other two club members are like, I feel shitty because our feelings are hurt. So I'm gonna, we're gonna do a secret project to, um, make her feel better. And they want to make contact with aliens on New Year's Eve 
but they also want to find a for real tele- telepath first. So Mob obviously has insane psychic powers, and he also has made connections with other people that have pretty impressive psychic powers. And he pulls together the two funny-looking twins that are like the same character, but one is drawn round and one is drawn square. <laughs> yeah. Um, they are able to make a terrible high-pitched psychic noise. Yeah, and this this uh, this brings somebody in that can only hear this psychic noise because he is a psychic. Um, I think his I think his name is Takiyaka. Yeah. Takanaka. Taka. Yeah. Where is he? Yeah, Takanaka. Yeah, and um, he's just he's just like, hey, um, it's it's you know, he turn that wants off. To join because he wants <laughs> to be with other telepaths. Yeah, he um the, he has this little backstory in this episode, which may have been my favorite part of the episode, which was uh, he tried to join the telepathy club because he he realized at a very young age that he was hearing people's thoughts. And when he tried to relate to the people around him of like, oh, that was crazy. She was saying something different than what she was thinking was was when and how he realized that he was different. And so then when he found out there was a telepathy club, he was like, oh, other telepaths. There are people that will understand me in a way that nobody has ever been able to. And then he comes to the telepathy club to find out that it's a group of people looking for telepaths and leaves dejected without ever revealing that he's really a telepath. And so you get this little backstory. He goes off to do other stuff. And now he's been drawn in by the siren song of the twins. And yeah, I just thought that was really cool. I I think about this a lot with um, my husband. Pete really relates to stories about people who don't feel like they belong because he spent a lot of his life not feeling like he belongs, which is a pretty common experience for a lot of people, but especially for people who turn out to be some type of not straight. And uh, I was like, oh, I bet he would really relate to this character, you know, utilizing sort of, you could, you can interpret this as a science fiction metaphor for whatever it is that sets you apart and feeling like, you know, you're not able to find community even in the place that seemed like it was made for you. And so I thought that that was really, really effective. Um, and they, they end up getting him to join the club and the club's plan to go to a mountaintop and enact some sort of ritual that they found in a book somewhere and this combination of things utilizing his telepathy will cause aliens to appear. And he yep. sort of begrudgingly agrees to go. And then Mob coerces, essentially, unintentionally coerces Reagan into being their adult chaperone slash driver. Yeah. And so they're all like, okay, we're going to take this rented car. We're going to drive up the mountain. We're going to do the aliens. And they yep. get, uh, what's her name? Tomei, the president. She is not convinced that any of this is for real. She kind of thinks that they might be putting her on in a way that she now inaccurately believes that they have been doing forever and is just like salty the whole time. And that that definitely uh, sets us up for episode eight. (laughs) Yep. And that takes us into uh, the ride up which mountain where uh, they are (laughs) going to go to the top of this mountain and they're going to call aliens on the phone. Uh, yeah, the, the the psychic phone. The trip doesn't go great. They, do. they they have to use the bathroom. Somebody gets car sick. Reagan takes a wrong turn and ends up like on a walking path. It looks like where he's gonna have to back out the whole way. And they're all just sort of like it's taking forever. They're all lost, and they're like, okay, look, the, we've gone to the peak. Let's just go up until we find the path, and then we'll figure out what to do on our way back down. Um, there's a nice moment where Tomei is like, I don't want to do this. Like, I didn't, I don't believe that this is going to happen. I've lost my faith in this whole project. Kind of lost my faith in you guys as people who I thought were my friends. And I don't want to go. And Mob gives her some really nice encouragement and they make it all the way to the peak. And then they're like, okay, there's... There's this book, but they left the book. Is that right? Somehow they don't have the ritual in front of them. Uh, and they're like, well, shit, we walked all the way up here. And now we don't have the whole 
the thing this was all about. We don't have it. And um, and then it turns out that Takenaka, who they thought had been coerced into coming, was actually secretly interested in doing this. And the reason he was late uh, and they thought he was not going to show up when they were leaving to go to the mountain was uh, that he did not sleep because he spent all night memorizing the ritual. And so he gets everybody to do it. Um, they also have a moment where they reveal that the author was a fraud and was arrested, I think, for, like, yeah. f- you know, defrauding people by, I guess, asserting the reality of supernatural things that they found out he knew were not real. And this is the guy that yeah. made the alien ritual, but they're like, well, we're fucking here, so let's do the ritual. <laughs> yeah, and it turns out aliens show the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me Much what these aliens surprise. look like. Uh, are you talking about um, Princess Bubblegum and her friends? <laughs> yeah, they are. They are sort of. They're humanoid. They're slightly misshapen, like sort of ovu- lo- over large ovular heads in a way that reminds me of the kind of little green men stereotype uh, a little yeah. bit. But they're all pink. Yeah. They're about the same size as all our human characters. Yeah. They have really big, sort of very intentionally overly cute eyes. They're made to look very unthreatening. And yeah, the leader of them actually went into the back of this place, and he um, he created this thing uh, that's uh, it's like them, but it's yellow, and he just keeps on screaming about how everything is unacceptable. <laughs> It's so, so absurd. You can't, I can't believe that was to uh, the dude from Rick and Morty, like, years before that was a thing. Um, what, really? Yeah. Yeah, go back and oh, check man. it out. It's, it's like, two steps removed from Morty. Oh, <laughs> really? Like, lem- uh, yeah, man, lemon grab. That fucking voice. Yeah. Unacceptable! That, <laughs> when Morty starts to really lose it, he gets very close to going back into lemon grab. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that, that that tracks actually. <laughs> yeah. So um. So yeah. The uh, the aliens show up. They are super friendly, and uh, they don't know how to communicate with each other. I I don't know. I don't remember the telepathy actually allowing them to communicate. I think they just sort of communicate with with gestures and clear emotional intention. Um. But yeah, the aliens. Uh, beam them up into their ship and they just also, Reagan's like Reagan's like I do not want to go into this ship but uh <laughs> fuck it everybody else went I guess I gotta go <laughs> yeah um so they just hang out it there's just yep. sort of a montage of them hanging out um and I think I think that's what doesn't work for me again these aren't bad they're just not good in the way that I'm used to this show being good uh, or to the level or degree that I'm used to this show being good. But I think this sort of encompasses it is that like, uh, this is what I got into earlier where like Mob Psycho 100 is usually able to take a very real, very emotionally charged human experience and tie it into what's going on. And what they're tying in here is Tomei's disappointment that the people that she cared about and relied on she now perceives them as people that do not care about uh, her stuff and that were she basically she's basically questioning the fact that she's wasted all this time and allowed herself to be duped by people that never cared about the things that she cared about and by extension maybe never cared about her either literally or functionally and what it turns out in this trip up the mountain in this moment where she doesn't want to go on and mob encourages her in the reveal that the guy they coerced into all this actually was taking it very seriously and cared a lot. All of this kind of conspires to tell her that like, yeah, maybe they didn't care enough or in the way that she was trying to care, but that wasn't because they don't care about her. And they went out of their way to apologize by doing a sort of, you know, choreographed trip to make her happy. And that's the core emotionality of this episode. And it 
works fine. It's just not as effective for me as a lot of the other sort of growing up, coming of age stuff that this show has done so well. I think this was just like, yeah, this is a nice story about friends being nice after hurting a friend's feelings. And then the ritual... Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, I'll get off my soapbox here in a second, but I was just going to say, for me, I think the climax of this episode emotionally is the ritual. And then the aliens showing up is almost like a weird denouement because they just hang out. There's nothing to it other than this sort of slight gag that aliens exist. And you could argue that the way that the aliens look as just sort of being overly cute, almost a slightly different animation style level of overly cute that's a bit of a gag but the fact that like they just go on the spaceship they spend an evening hanging out and being friends in a way that they would have done if they were just hanging out with each other like they're like playing cards they're showing each other video games there's nothing special to this except that it's with aliens on an alien spaceship it is just like totally mundane and i was like okay i think i think for me the climax coming early and then the last little section of this, the climax of a story I didn't, I didn't respond to well, came halfway through the episode instead of at the end of the episode. And then the rest of the episode is just sort of like chill hang was not what I was looking for from the show. And it just did not work for me. But yeah, the ending of this, the secret second ending of this is weird as hell. Tell me about it. (laughs) I also think that, like, the second ending of this is the thing that sells me on these episodes. Because I feel like it's the creator's love letter to wanting to create an animated alien world. um, And he didn't have the chance to yet. And he's very excited about it. Because this alien world looks fun as fuck. Um, And also, like, the... The weird storyline where he's just like, they had been taken away and uh, they had this weird monster thing that was eating all their crops and attacking their people. And I dealt with that. But as I returned back to Earth, I lost my memories of all this kind of stuff and I, I faded away. It's just like, yeah. what the fuck is happening in this episode? Yeah. So the aliens return at the end of the night of them hanging out. The aliens return everyone back to... Not even to the mountaintop, right? They return them back home, don't they? Yeah. Um, Except one of them, who they take off in their spaceship. There is no explanation given. I I couldn't tell an explanation suggested. The one that they take away was definitely not the one that was responding the most strongly to the aliens. Uh, He was the one that was the most into his Nintendo Switch. And that was his sort of, like, biggest contribution to the hang, was that he was the one showing them the video games. Uh, but there's there wasn't any indication to me that they took him away because of the video games. They just took one of the kids, and this was the one. They take him back to their home world. He is sort of baffled that he's there, but he's like, I don't know. It's an alien world. That's kind of cool. So in a very, in a very just sort of like casually rolling with this way. He casually rolls with the fact that he's on an alien planet now. And it's like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And he's just hanging out. And there's a little bit of narration about how he's like, it's sort of lonely because they don't speak the same language as me. And I like none of my friends, none of my family, the life that I had is not here, but it is an alien planet. So that's kind of cool. So he's just sort of like 60% interested, maybe 40%. And he's just sort of like, I guess this is my life now. So sure. And then his switch dies and he doesn't have any more power on the planet. Well, I guess, I guess the animal thing happens first. There's some sort of animal that's eating their, their crops and the aliens are so nonviolent that they did not realize they could chase it away. And he chases it away and he becomes sort of a hero and sort of a king to them. And after that, there's, like, pictures of him everywhere, and he sort of got celebrity status, and it seems like his life is better from the standpoint of, like, being treated, like, being pampered and treated like royalty or, you know, like a celebrity. But he's still lonely because he still doesn't connect with them. Then his switch dies, and he's like, there's nothing here for me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And Yeah. 
he somehow figures out how to communicate to them that he wants to go home and they take him home and they drop him off on the mountaintop, which rude. Uh, and then he's, his narration is sort of like my memories of that time started pretty quickly to fade away to the point where you get the impression that fairly soon after this, he will not remember that he wasn't on earth even at all. And, uh, I don't know. It seems like it was gone for a while, but uh, it also seems like the memories fading thing is a narrative indication to us that that's the end of that. So I'm not expecting us to see a lot of plot around the fact that there was a missing child for a while after a group of his friends took him up to a mountaintop and came down without him. I don't think we're going to see that story. So I think this is the end of the alien thing. And it was weird. I, I don't know. I didn't, This just didn't work for me. It's not bad. It just didn't work. I think Mob Psycho yeah. 100 is really good at hitting these emotional coming-of-age beats, and I just thought that this was a very okay version of that in a way where I was like, eh, okay, I guess they needed to put something out this week, so they did. This is kind yeah, of I felt it. it was less I have to put something out and more so uh, it was the creator being like, what? can what weird cool thing that i can play with this week yeah i would agree definitely on the heels of this like big broccoli storyline that ends with a major character death it is appropriate and you could very much argue correct to do a light-hearted story that doesn't matter and this is that um i just don't know that we've had a, a bunch of those and every time we've had little one-off stories it's always felt like it hit better for me and this one was just kind of like meh um so yeah. yeah not my favorite i didn't think it was very good <laughs> i was re-watching mob cycle 100 i would like not to re-watch these episodes but i would be forced to because i cannot skip episodes or chapters i have a compulsive need to watch everything from start to finish and i would not be able to help myself but i wouldn't be happy about it <laughs> and that's the way the cookie crumbles anyways let's <laughs> after these credits and we'll talk about what's coming on next week Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 15 sound wizard. Fireball! 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 Ad-free versions of our podcast are available on Patreon, along with extra Patreon-only goodies, like additional conversations and articles written by the hosts. Follow us on Twitter at B&SGetJumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at Reddit.com slash R slash Get Jumped. We also have a Discord server, and you can find links to that on our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every week. Thanks for listening. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto Shippuden episodes 209 through 211. Which we're finally going to talk about those Norwal toes that we uh, talked about in the very first episode of Naruto. So, just get ready for it, because it's going to be all about Norwal toes. So exciting.